a new year full of surprises. But one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services. So when postage goes up, your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com is like your own personal post office, wherever you are. You can even take orders on the go with the mobile app. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Schedule package pickups, automatically find the cheapest and fastest shipping options, and seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. There's even a supply store where you can stock up on mailing supplies, labels, even printers. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. All you need is a computer or phone and printer. Take a chunk out of your mailing and shipping costs this year with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Hey everyone, welcome back to Seeking Witchcraft. It's me, Ashley, your host, and today I'm going to be talking about a topic that I've touched upon a lot during this show, and that is the ritual mindset. This is such an important topic and concept that it warranted its own episode. So what exactly is a ritual mindset? Well, a ritual mindset is exactly what it sounds like. It's getting into a mindset that's fitting for ritual. It's a way to strip away the mundane issues, stressors, or anything else from your everyday life that's not relevant to the ritual you'll be in. So getting into this mindset is a way to be able to focus your soul attention on what you're going to be doing without having your mind wander about mundane things like, I don't know, did I leave the oven on? Am I going to be able to finish that report on time? I wonder if they texted me back. Where's my birth certificate? I could go for some chalupas. I wonder what people think about my ritual attire, blah, 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 and so on and so forth. All of those little pesky things that we tend to think about a million miles per hour that have absolutely no significance to being part of a witchcraft circle. And while, yes, I'm saying the ritual mindset, you may also thinking that this can apply to random things as well when you're trying to clear your mind, like meditation, and you would be right. A ritual mindset is not only useful for ritual, despite the common term. It's also really useful for things like meditation or when you may be engaging in some sort of daily witchy routine, like pulling a tarot card for the day. If you're doing that, you don't necessarily want to be thinking about if you remember to put on moisturizer or not that morning when you're trying to pull a card. And while sure, I mean, putting on moisturizer is a very important thing to think about and that you should do every day. <laughs> it's not going to serve you or your practice in that moment. And it may and probably will hinder what you're doing as it's a distraction that gets in the way of what you're really trying to do and focus your energy on. So that's the basic coverage of what the ritual mindset is. But just to cover all of the basics, here's another way to help explain it that's going to lead us to the next part of this discussion. And I want you to bear with me with this because this is kind of long, but it's for a purpose. So here we go. When you are in different settings, you act differently, whether you consciously realize that or not. So for example, when you're at work, you may have a quote unquote customer service voice or a customer service smile or whatever. You might also wear a particular style of clothes, be it a uniform or some business wear or whatever. You probably laugh at jokes that you wouldn't normally find funny from your coworkers and bosses, 
and you likely try to act as professional and, you know, PC as possible. During meetings, you probably are at least trying to be attentive and keeping in the zone of what people are talking about. And I don't know, let's say you're leading a project. If you're leading a project, you're probably spending hours, days, weeks, months, or whatever, focus on what you're doing to try to just get that shit done. So during your working life, you're really trying your best to stay focused and in the zone. And if you don't have a job or at least a job with similar duties like the ones I've mentioned, then, you know, you can sum this out with how you act. If you've been in school or been at an interview or training or even in the presence of someone that you highly respect. But let's dissect this a little further. What is it that makes us act this way in these settings? You know, aside from the obvious of, hey, this is work and (laughs) I don't want to get fired. Let's, Let's go a little deeper than that. After a long day of work or school or whatever you do, when you come home, if you're like me, that's when the bra gets thrown off, the shoes are kicked by the door, and you can finally let out that really big sigh that you're in your space again and can do practically whatever you want. You'll probably take off your work clothes and either slip into something more comfortable or even put on another outfit to start a different part of your day. So for this example, let's talk about putting on workout clothes and going to the gym. So, all right. Now let's say you're at the gym and you're focused on doing whatever activities you're there to do, be it swimming or cardio, weightlifting, yoga, whatever. (laughs) Your time doing this is spent with your energy very much focused on the exercise at hand. Because let's be real, you want to get the most bang for your buck and you don't want to injure yourself in, in the process. So you're definitely spending a lot of attention doing whatever exercise that it is. But it's not just the exercising that's helping you stay focused. And bear with me, but part of this is also what you're wearing. You're not going to go swimming in a suit and tie, and you probably wouldn't be doing yoga on a treadmill while wearing a blazer, a dress, or your work shoes. What you're wearing is going to influence how comfortable you are working out. Your attire is there to support what you're doing. There's obviously a reason why things like swimsuits and sports bras, for example, are designed the way that they are. Well, let's go even deeper than that. There's also an additional aspect of well as this of well that influences your experiences at the gym. This would be the music that you're listening to. How would you feel if you're listening to death metal during yoga? I mean, that sounds pretty cool and I would definitely try it out. But let's be real. Most yoga classes aren't doing that. Or classical music while you're running. And I'm not talking about like the really like high energy like Beethoven whatever music. I'm talking about some real like Midnight Sonata if that's actually what the name of it is, like some real down in the dumps type stuff while you're trying to go on a run. Listen, everyone has their preferences, which we'll discuss in a moment, but just some things to consider. But let's go even deeper again. (laughs) Let's talk about how you're feeling prior to going to the gym. And what I mean by this in, in this example is, did you get a chance to shower the night before you went to work and then went to the gym? Or are you coming to the gym already sweaty and dirty? Did you reapply deodorant before you went on your jog? Are you relatively clean or pretty dirty? If you are coming to the gym after spending 10 hours, for example, working on a horse farm and shoveling manure for the majority of it, you probably spend some of your exercise time focusing on, you know, the horse smell and that's going to distract you or maybe even limit you because (laughs) if you smell like horses, you might not want to sweat a lot. So maybe you're going to do some weights instead of going for the elliptical. Who knows? All right. 
So now that I've given this huge example of how you may act in different settings, let's talk about how the hell this relates to witchcraft and the ritual mindset. When you're in ritual, you want to make sure that you're fully there. It doesn't matter if you're doing something as simple as a basic circle casting just to meditate inside the circle, or if you're doing a huge public ritual with, I don't know, hundreds of people invoking and evoking ancestors and spirits. Getting into a ritual mindset is something that everyone should practice in order to make sure that their experiences flow more easily, and so you get the most out of your craft. Now, this isn't to say that if you're not in the ritual mindset 100% of the time that you're being wasteful what you're doing. That's absolutely not the case. But this is more of to say that being able to get into this mindset is extremely valuable and can be achieved a lot easier than you probably think. It just takes some time to, in practice to figure out what your triggers are. And triggers in this case are things that you can do, listen to, smell, taste, etc. to get you in the zone. And if you've had to practice for a bit, you might actually already have some triggers without realizing it. Now, how does any of this relate to the previous example about the work clothes or your gym clothes? Having a ritual mindset is really important because it helps you get triggered into a certain space to be able to do a certain thing. If you're in your work clothes, when you put those on, you put on that blazer, you put on your ID badge, you put on your name tag, whatever it is, you're kind of transported or your mindset shifts a little bit into work mode. You know, if you don't have a job or if you're not employed or what have you, let's say you're in school, putting on your backpack, pulling out your notebook, smelling the paper, having your pens, or even opening up Word or Google Doc to take notes. You get put into this different mindset. When you have on a sports bra and you have on leggings or you have on a swimsuit, when you're in there, you have the zone of, okay, I'm going to go work out. Now, there's something to be said about athleisure. I think that's how you pronounce it, of people who work workout clothes just to hang around. That's a little bit of a different situation. <laughs> the whole point is you're going to be in a different mindset of when you're wearing your work clothes or your school clothes versus wearing your pajamas when you're at home. If you were to be wearing your pajamas in the office, even if nobody was there, let's say you had to go in pretty late at night, you're going to feel kind of weird and you're going to feel kind of out of place, even though no one's around. You know, you might sit there and try to do a report, but it's going to not feel right. It's not going to line up right. You know, if you're trying to work out and you're wearing a blazer and you're trying to go in the pool, it's not going to feel right. You're going to feel hindered by what you're doing. So the way that it relates to your witchcraft triggers is that it's just important to note that you have different mindsets for different aspects of your life. Witchcraft and being in a circle is no different. And it's also, you know, important to mention this to let you know that this ritual mindset trigger is not this impossible thing to achieve because you already have different mindsets and personalities and things that you do in different settings. Being in a circle is no different. Now, I'm sure... You know, some people listening to this are probably wondering what exactly does the ritual mindset zone, quote unquote, feel like? Well, you know, ultimately that's up for you to decide and figure out on your own. But just to kind of give a general idea, it's like getting into a meditative state where you're relaxed and you're grounded and focused and calm. And, you know, some may actually call this a trance state, although others may very much argue that you need to do a lot more to be able to call this being in a trance, but that is a completely different topic for now. Uh, 
ultimately part of the aim of being in this mindset is also just to allow you to be comfortable with the ritual that hand that you'll be doing. And if you're just starting out or hell, actually this can apply to everybody, but (laughs) you may have some anxiety to do ritual and the idea of getting into a meditative state that's supposed to wipe out your anxiety for ritual, quote unquote, honestly might seem outright impossible. I I hear you. Don't worry about it. Here's the secret about that though. You need to actually practice to do the work to get to this level of comfortability and to even establish your absolute ritual mindset triggers. So I wouldn't expect to achieve this overnight. And truthfully, you need to do this multiple times to see what works for you and play around with it. If you're familiar with psychology at all, you've probably heard of the term classical conditioning. So this is essentially what you're going to be doing to yourself when you're trying to establish a ritual mindset in your different triggers. A super popular reference to what classical conditioning is, is with Pavlov's dog. And if you've never heard of Pavlov's dog in this experiment before, here's a really quick rundown. So back in the day, there was this dude named Pavlov, and he presented a bowl of food to a hungry dog and measured the saliva in the dog's mouth. So the dog saw the food and obviously was salivating more than he would be if there wasn't any food because, you know, he's a dog and he's hungry and there's food in front of his face. Duh. But... Right before showing the dog the food, Pavlov made a sound with a metronome. So essentially, he'd make the sound, then show the food, and then the dog's saliva levels would be taken, and they were found to be higher than when the dog wasn't about to eat. So Pavlov kept doing this for a while. He would play the sound, show the food, give the dog the food to eat, and, you know, measure it somewhere between all that. Measure the saliva, I should say. So after some time of him continuously doing this to the dog, Pavlov changed it up a bit, and one day, he only played the metronome and then immediately measured the dog's saliva levels without giving him the food. It was found that when the sound was played, the dog was conditioned to start having those higher saliva rates even when the food wasn't actually presented in front of him. This is because the dog associated the sound with the food and his body reacted to the sound without question. Overall, Pavlov found that in order for the association to be made of the dog reacting to the stimuli, they had to be presented close in time. So the sound had to be presented at the same time as the food. All right. Well, I know you must be thinking, okay, well, we must be smarter than a dog, right? Well, yes, but also no. In this example, (laughs) humans are conditioned to do a bunch of stuff without us even realizing that we're conditioned. Let's take our phones for example. If we hear a text noise, even if we know it's coming from a TV show, a movie, a friend's phone, or whatever, we have this powerful urge to check our phones to make sure that we didn't get a message that we missed. I'm sure me even mentioning you, like mentioning this right now about you getting a text may have you having the urge to want to check your messages to make sure that you didn't actually get a text. And I don't know, I could be wrong, but even me talking about this, I kind of want to look at my phone and see if I got a text. I know I didn't get a text because my phone's on do not disturb right now, but we're conditioned about this. But all right, so let's say you don't relate with that example. Let's talk about food. Is there a type of food or alcohol that has made you sick in the past? Maybe you got food poisoning or maybe... I don't know, you just had a really bad hangover. Your body might associate whatever it is with your illness. So for example, you may never drink tequila again because maybe one time you had a really bad experience. Or I don't know, we could flip this around. What about something good? 
If you come home one day after hanging out with your friends and you're walking to your front door and you smell the smell of one of your neighbors is grilling, do you get hungry even if you've already eaten? You probably, probably will stand there and be like, hmm, that smells really good. I could go for some grilled food. You know, that's a trigger. I'm sure you kind of get the point that humans are conditioned to feel certain ways about certain things, whether we've realized it or not. Now, this isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it's important to know that psychology has proven that conditioning is something that can happen to us. And in witchcraft, we have this cool little tool in our toolbox that we can use to our advantage to help us get into the zone, regardless of whatever mundane stressors you might be experiencing prior to circle. All right, million dollar question. So how do we accomplish getting into the ritual mindset? Well, here are some basic ideas of things you could do to start setting yourself up to create these triggers. One of my favorite ones that I recommend with people starting out has to do with incense. Incense is key, at least in my opinion. Your experience may vary. (laughs) I would recommend to use the same type of incense every time you do circle. The same smell is going to help transport your mind back to when you're in that circle space. I'd recommend using the same incense only in that circle setting and only that circle setting. This could vary a little bit if you want to do like something with um, setting up a ritual. I'm going to give an example at the very end of this and you'll see where I'm going with this. But pick a scent that you wouldn't smell often in your day to day. And if you're one of those people who likes to burn a lot of incense just in general, just pick one scent that you're promising yourself you're only ever going to use in circle. Just trust me on this one. If you're one of those people who can't burn incense. Let's say you don't have a lot of access to it. You might still live at home. You can't burn it in your dorm. Whatever the reason is, it doesn't have to be incense. You know, you could do anything involving scent. So maybe having a particular type of perfume that you use, you know, maybe it's a fancy perfume from the store or I don't know, make a blend of essential oils with a carrier. That's very important, (laughs) but a blend of essential oils and put that on your skin. It could even be the scent of a lotion. It doesn't have to be anything crazy so long as you dedicate that particular scent to only your ritual practices. You know, if you have sensitive skin and none of these are an option for you, you can get a lava bead and put it into a necklace and put the essential oil in that. Now, hopefully, if you're really sensitive, like you'd be okay with the bead not directly touching your skin, but like touching the middle of a necklace. Um... That can get a little bit dicey, but just, you know, there's different things you could do. There's options out there. The next thing would be setting up your circle space. I would recommend to set up your circle space the same way each time. So, you know, maybe at a particular time on a certain day of the month or something, you start setting up your circle space. Um, If you have a more permanent or fixed altar that you do your work at, you could still use this concept. You might not really have to set anything up per se, but let's say perhaps every time you go to cast your circle or do whatever you're going to do, take a few key objects off your altar and spend some time with them, either dusting them off, polishing them, or just holding them and kind of just being with them for a couple moments. Let this time be a meditative experience for you and try to go in the same order as much as possible when you're taking off a particular thing like Maybe you're taking off a candle, your athame, and a statue for a deity. You know, take them off in the same order, put them back in the same order, and try to do this every single time. 
Truthfully, though, don't beat yourself up if you can't remember what you put on the altar first the last time you did this. Honestly, just setting up your ritual space can help to signal to yourself that you're going to be doing magic soon, and it could be kind of like the first sort of stepping stone into transitioning of this mindset. You can even do something a little bit more simple than this. Just maybe you have a particular candle that you keep in your room, doesn't even have to be on your altar, that you light it right before you're going to start doing anything. You know, getting into that zone of you knowing every time I light this candle, shit's about to go down. We're about to do some witchcraft. (laughs) You know, anything as simple as that. Uh, The next thing you could do is you could wear a particular type of jewelry or clothing. So maybe you have a certain ring or a necklace or earrings or a headband or a crown or an anklet or a belly ring or like whatever it is that you only ever wear in ritual. And that's your special ritual jewelry. You know, putting that on helps a signal to you like, okay, we're about to start winding down or about to do ritual. And the same thing can be said for clothes. Like, so maybe you have a particular ritual robe or a skirt or an outfit or hell, maybe even go sky clad. I mean, you're going to be naked at one point of your day, I'm sure, if you're taking a shower or something. So this one gets a little bit trickier. But if you're going to do sky clad practice, I would highly recommend having some sort of ritual jewelry that you wear in addition to working sky clad. That way you can really trigger yourself. Um, Especially there's something to be said about wearing jewelry against bare skin. Um, even though most jewelry does go against bare skin. But I hope you understand what I'm trying to say by that. (laughs) All right, the next one is music. So having a playlist to play not only in circles, such as a ritual playlist, but also having one when you're setting up your space. This can really help lull you into the ritual mindset. For this one, you want to experiment with this, find what helps you out. You know, some people really like music with, um, like, People like Heilung or whatever, you know, it's very rhythmic and there's these voices, but some people like things that are just music itself. Uh, I would recommend if you're new or just in general, just starting out for this concept for the first time, try to get music that doesn't have lyrics in the background. That way you don't get distracted by whatever the people in the songs are saying. Um, If it's something like, I don't know, humming or like there are lyrics, but you don't really know what they're saying and you're not really going to try to sing along with them or anything, (laughs) like something like that. Like, that's fine. And and again, like it's really going to depend on your own experience and how you react with this type of thing. But ritual mindsets are fantastic. Also, I personally like doing ritual with music playing in the background because sometimes like the silence is, I don't know, not awkward, but I don't know. I just like the ritual mindset or of the ritual playlist. So highly recommend that one. Uh, If you don't have a ritual playlist, you could also ring a bell or get a singing bowl, um, something that you play, like some sort of sound right beforehand. Um, That can also help you kind of set the tone uh, and set the mood of, okay, I'm about to do this. This one's a little bit more advanced, but I do know of people who will do a particular type of motion with their hand to signal to themselves that they're about to get into the mindset. So, for example, like snapping their fingers a certain way or putting some fingers, I don't know, like twisting them together. Like it's a little bit complicated to try to explain over a microphone, but this one, you would have to experiment with it yourself. Just if you're going to do this, make sure it's a gesture that you wouldn't use often in your real life. I'm pretty sure if I remember correctly that Matt Arn in his book, Psychic Witch has a quick mention of doing something like this. So it's not an unheard of thing to do. Um, I would say it might be a little bit more advanced for some people. So don't worry too much about this one. (laughs) All right. 
next, this is going to sound pretty obvious, but breathing exercises and meditation. Maybe you have a particular path working or meditation or breathing exercise that you do prior to getting in the circle. Maybe it's the same one every time, the same breathing pattern, the same meditation, the same whatever it is that you're doing. <laughs> like it could be as something as mundane or as simple as you sit on the same pillow every single time you're about to meditate right before you're about to do circle. It, it it's it's not that hard to just pick something that really works for you. If you are very new in this, pathworkings are a great option. The only problem though is that pathworkings can sometimes take a little bit of time and you know, having long drawn out circles are great. It's a great experience. You know, you really get to vibe with the energy. But when you're first starting out, sometimes doing really long circles can feel a little discouraging or overwhelming might actually be a better word because the next time you go to do circle, you might sit there and think, oh my gosh, like I want to do it, but I have to do this and I have to do that. And I have to set this up and I have to get this out. And it just feels like a lot, especially as a beginner. Um, hell, even if you've been practicing a little bit longer, like sometimes you really want to do ritual, but you don't feel like setting up a ritual, let alone sitting down for a 20 minute path working before you even start ritual. So path workings are great. You know, they really can help take you there. And it's really like a great guide to help you with this meditation or breathing exercises are a lot quicker of something that you could do. And so I'd maybe recommend that. Um, but path work, there's nothing fine with, or there's nothing wrong with that. I should say. Just, you know, do what works for you guys. <laughs> like when It's your craft, you know, it's your circles. Um, another option or an alternative could be reading a mantra or a poem or a hymn or whatever. Maybe you have a particular poem that you've written or you found online that you really love. And every time before you start circle, you read it out loud or you read it to yourself or you read it with a certain rhythmic pace that is only known by you. And that can help you get into the trigger to kind of lull you into that ritual mindset that you need for circle. If you want to do something a little bit, I don't know, more, I don't know, a little bit more feasible, I should say, for some people, you can do something as simple as taking a bath and you can even infuse the water with whatever herbs you have, whatever essential oil you might have, salt, crystals, candles, the works. Taking a bath is a great way to get into a ritual mindset for some people. Other people like myself don't really like taking baths. So for me, this would just seem like a huge hassle. But I think I'm in the small minority when I say that. Um, so I'd recommend taking a bath, especially if that's something that you like doing. That being said, I have definitely taken baths before rituals and just like in my own personal practice. And I have found that because it's something a little bit different than what I do in my normal everyday life, it kind of gets me into that like, ooh, something's different. Something's happening. Like, you kind of get like those little like antennas going off of like, ooh, something's up because I'm not normally taking baths all the time. And I think that's one of the important things about ritual mindsets is that whatever you're doing to get into your ritual mindset is something you're not doing every single day because it's supposed to be different. It's supposed to shed you of the mundane. It's supposed to be something of like, okay, I'm doing that, this, this means that this is going to happen next. Um, so yeah, so just some things to think about. Um, also you could do something like fasting. There is definitely spiritual benefits of fasting, but it's not for everyone. And if fasting isn't your thing, um, I would say I am a fan of not having a super heavy meal before going into circle. Um, you know, I like having some snacks and stuff. I don't want to be starving in circle, but I don't really like to do a lot of like heavy eating until after circle is done, especially cause that's kind of when you need it. 
Uh, for some people, though, if fasting's not your thing, you could also maybe just eat a particular food every time you have circle. Or we can even transition this to drinking, you know, perhaps drinking wine or tea. Alcohol is definitely a lubricant, especially a spiritual lubricant. Tea can work great too. Some people might have, I don't know, a pre-ritual shot of some whiskey or like whatever works for them. Um, I think drinking is a way to also kind of relax you. If you are interested in doing this before ritual to help get you into a ritual mindset, I would recommend no more than a glass or two. Um, the whole purpose of this is to relax you, but you still want to be completely alert and aware of what is going on around you. You're not trying to go in a circle wasted or drunk or buzzed or anything like that. You just want enough where it's just a glass or two, not, not a big glass, just a normal sized glass. <laughs> uh, and with all this being said and done, if you have time in your day that, you know, let's say, you know, every day on a particular day of the month, you have that entire day free and you're going to dedicate that to your witchcraft practice that you're going to make that your, your witchy day. You can plan your day with purpose to get into your ritual. Like maybe start that morning, get some fresh cut flowers, say a prayer to the deity, take a bath, maybe fast for a couple hours, whatever it is that you want to do, you can do. Whatever you decide to do, make sure that it's something that you can repeat over and over and over again to help establish these triggers to get into the ritual mindset. I'd recommend trying to build these on top of each other as well to kind of like give you some more variety and options and to see what works. So for example, when you're setting up for your circle space, maybe at a particular set time of the day that you'll be doing this every time you're going to do circle. You can play a pre-ritual playlist and burn a particular type of incense. Then when you're about to be ready for ritual, take a saltwater bath using the same incense while playing the same pre-ritual, I don't know, bath playlist now, and maybe have a single glass of wine and meditate in the bath on the upcoming ritual. After you do this, maybe you get out, you can put on your special perfume, your ritual attire, if any, in your ritual jewelry, and then you know, go sit in circle, do a particular breathing exercise or meditation or path working, or this is when you could read your mantra or poem, which also you could do in your bath too. Um, and somewhere in all that, you can incorporate a hand gesture if you're feeling spicy. <laughs> then when you're ready for ritual, make sure you use that particular incense and, you know, go from there. And if you kind of use this as a, you know, this is just an example, but if you're using that, like, do that same order every single time for a couple circles because you're going to probably figure out pretty quickly like what works for you and what doesn't work for you. Um, I will say give it some time to kind of let it gel and settle. And if you want to test it out, which you're more than welcome to test it out, but I would recommend only testing it out if you're about to do some sort of witchy thing later. That way you're kind of not letting it go to waste and unconditioning yourself in a way. Um, kind of. <laughs> You could test it out by like, let's say you're doing the thing with the incense. Like maybe if you have a friend, like, or I don't know, have you ever gone into a witch shop and you smell a particular smell and you just like, you're like, oh yes, like I know this smell. Um, you know, maybe burn this particular incense that you only use for circle outside of circle and see how you feel. And if you get absolutely nothing from it, maybe you haven't done it enough times or maybe that incense sense isn't for you or maybe that's just not the way that you're going to go about having a ritual mindset trigger. But if you do burn that incense and you're kind of transplanted back to, hmm, this reminds me of circle and you kind of start thinking of circle things and you kind of get like this calmness over you, that can help 
show that you were on the right track. Um, yeah. Another thing is that having certain tools for ritual that you only use for ritual can also help slip you into this mindset. So if you have a particular dish that you use for your water, a cup you only use for ritual wine, honestly, even a particular type of wine or oil or whatever that you only, only, only ever use during circle, these can help remind you of the sacred space that you're in. Now, I want to say, if anything that I have mentioned in this episode feels overwhelming, do not worry. <laughs> there is no rush to doing this. And as I mentioned, setting up these triggers, it takes time. It takes time to be comfortable, not only just setting up these triggers, but just being in ritual, whether it's solitary or with other people. And there's no need to rush your experiences. Take your time with them. See what works for you and what makes you comfortable. It's a time for you to experiment and to help make yourself more confident and feel more at ease when you're in circle. And I also want to stress the reminder that a ritual mindset will not look the same for everyone. Some people may feel very, very happy and other people may be very solemn and quiet and stoic. And some people might be in their own freaking world, like they were in their own zone. So it's so important to not compare your experiences or even your craft to others because this can lead to people feeling discouraged or feeling like they're doing it quote unquote wrong. You know, your craft is your craft. Witchcraft and confidence in this takes time and practice. And, you know, as an example, you probably didn't walk without falling a bunch of times as a baby, okay? <laughs> if you walked without ever falling as a baby, I, I don't even think that's possible. <laughs> but yeah, you know, it's okay to make mistakes because that's how we learn to do better. So please do not beat yourself up about it if you're not able to get into a ritual mindset immediately. No one is expecting you to be able to do this overnight. And if you find that you can and you find that your triggers have been established pretty early on, even from day one, that is fantastic. Ultimately, you want to find what works for you and you want to build from there. And I also want to quickly mention that even if you find something that works, I'd always recommend to try mixing this up a bit. So let's say you're able to get into the zone by burning, I don't know, dragon's blood incense. One day, I don't know, try burning myrrh incense and see how this affects you or try using an incense stick instead of resin or use resin instead of an incense stick use loose herbs see I don't know change it up a little bit and see how it's going to affect you even if you don't like the smell of it you might be pleasantly surprised as to what differences things can have on your craft and overall experiences even if you are really used to something else and doing okay with that it's fun to kind of experiment and see how your reactions may vary so in all, I hope you're able to take away the importance of the ritual mindset and get some ideas of some things you could do for yourself to help get yourself into this. And now that we're at the end of the episode, I want to thank the newest dedicant Patreon, John, for joining. Thanks so much for supporting the show. If anyone listening is interested in supporting this podcast, you could do so via Patreon. It's patreon.com slash seekingwitchcraft. We have a Patreon-only Discord and a book club, and members get exclusive access to different things. And yeah, it's a lot of fun. Um... Aside from all that, please tell me what you would like to hear in a future episode. I would love to hear it. You can tell me via Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, my Facebook group, or even Patreon. Just send me a message. You can find me on Twitter at Seek Witchcraft, on Instagram at Seeking Witchcraft. 
I have a Facebook like page. It's Seeking Witchcraft Podcast or have a Facebook group, which is probably like one of the best places to try to tell me where you want to listen to or what you want to hear in a future episode. It's called Witches Seeking Witchcraft. Please, guys, answer the questions or else we won't let you in. This is to help from people getting scammed. There's a reason why we have those questions. I really would appreciate it. Um, but yeah, so that's pretty much it for me. Thank you all so much for listening. I feel like it's been forever since I've had a solo episode and it's about 30 minutes. So we're doing like an ode back to the original episode, which is really cool. Um, yeah. Thank you guys again. Can't wait to hear what you want to hear next. Cause I would love to have some ideas and I hope you all have a fantastic rest of your day or evening or whenever you're listening to this. Alrighty. Bye.